Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Navigating Business, a business podcast hosted by the U.S. Pan-Asian American Chamber of Commerce through the Community Navigator Pilot Program of the Small Business Administration, or the SBA. My name is St. Hung, CEO of Universal Processing. This is, I believe, my fourth time hosting Navigating Business, where we hear from Asian American and minority business owners who share about their experiences, their backgrounds, their struggles, the trials and tribulations of their lives and their quest, their journey in seeking success. Today, oh my, oh my, this is a special episode because we are joined by Lily Lowe. She is like a unicorn, so hard to track down, but after a year and a half, we've got her on the show. Lily Lowe is a financial literacy advocate president of B Chinatown and the CEO of Northeastern Community Federal Credit Union in the heart of San Francisco. Lily, would you like to give us an an intro, please? Thank you, Shan. Hi, my name is Lily Lo, and I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to talking to you. Happy to have you. Happy to have you. Thank you. So I'd like to dive into your background a little bit because You wear so many hats and your name's gone around the community about all the great things you've done. You've been described as an angel of light, also a lantern in the dark. Do do you want to talk about how you got that nickname or that title within the Asian community of San Francisco? Well, actually, I'm an immigrant myself. So I moved here with my family. when I, I moved here when I was 12 years old. I'm from Indonesia. So my family who don't speak English, who travel very hard just to support all of us. So, and of course, when I start growing up, so I see a lot of new immigrants, pretty much the same like in my family. And of course, my major is accounting. So when I look at it, a lot of those, you know, senior, of course, you know, and also a lot of small business, they don't speak English. Of course, you know, they, you know, they don't know where to go. And we talk about this is, you know, way back years and even as of right now, a lot of immigrants who struggle, who want to do business, they come to technology, everything outside the world, they, they just know how to do the kitchen. They just want to start up running the business and go. And I'm glad I have an opportunity to hang on, help them out, and they never know, you know, you know where to get help. And even though they have, you know, accountant or CPA who do the books, they never know what's their income. And I'm glad, you know, they trust, you know, they trust me. Of course, when small business don't trust the system, that's not a problem that we're dealing with. It definitely is a problem. And I totally understand. I've got a background for over 20 years assisting the small business owners, namely, and a focus on the Chinese restaurants. In, in the Northeast US. And even in my JP Morgan days, that was my focus. So you're absolutely right that those small business owners, especially restaurateurs, there is definitely a language issue. And I agree with you completely that there is a fear of local American authority. And the business owners also don't, some of them simply don't have the courage or the language abilities to, to ask or to to reach out and find the right resources. And it's, it sounds like you're one such person that has a lot of background within the restaurant space. Is that correct, Lily? Uh, not restaurant, retail, 
Of course, Rita. I'm right. In, I'm right in Chinatown, as you know. There's all the tours, and uh, you know, of course, you know, small business. A lot of them are you know family-run business, mom and pop, and you know, of course, you know, trusting the system, and you know, this is something that you know, like PP through the PPP time, and where to get the information, where to get help, and you know, a lot of you know immigrant, and they they got locked out. They they got locked out. Yeah, during that time they got locked out and they don't know where to get help and they they really don't know where to, you know where to go and of course you know my office was open mm-hmm. and you know we able to help them out you know we we able to help you know a handful of the small business and yes. especially the the first time you know when the government give assistance but they never hear about it they don't trust the system and this and they don't understand where to where, where to get help. Because a lot during that you know uh, you know COVID and a lot of businesses are closed and you know they don't know where to get documentation and those are something that you know uh, we found a lot of the small businesses you know need to learn need to know learn a little bit more about you know the bookkeeping or get a copy of the documentation rather than absolutely who who better than than someone with a background in accounting like you mentioned yourself right. Yeah, and what happened during that time? I'm step up and helping them, helping them out. But I'm able to have a lot of them out because you know a lot of them don't have the, all the information. And when they try to call, and they can't even get any copy of the supporting documents. So you know, there's a lot of you know them that you know that left behind. Okay, did you did you have to file with the state for them at some times, or make multiple phone calls to to find tax ID numbers and business licenses and whatnot are, did, did you have to go through loads of mail and have them sift through to find the right documentation when, when putting everything I together? I think the first, the first time, the first PPPA, it was, you know, the time was so fast and a lot of them don't help them, can't even give me the supporting document. And, but when it comes the second time, of course, you know, this thing, you know, of course, you know, getting to documentation, like the payroll tax, the Form 941, those are the hardest part, and even those a lot of small business not even know what a business tax number ID number. Those are the hardest part to getting, and a lot of them don't have email, calling them up. That's the hardest part. You know, that's not the hardest part. And of course, you know, when they get an email, they don't know how to read it. So, and I'm glad I have you know uh, my office is open during the pandemic, and people can bring the phone and I have to. Exchange. They not even know how to translate it, so they have to bring the phone to us, and then we have to explain to them. Explain to them, I think it's not that hard. But I think have to make appointment, come down to the office, and that's the hardest part to do. Yes, I I just have to assume that you offer within your office, you offer support in their language. Is is it languages or multiple dialects of Chinese, or are are there also other other Asian languages that you support these small businesses? Uh, I'm mainly helping the small business who, you know, in Chinese speaking, Cantonese and Mandarin. And of course, we have some other non, uh, you, know, you know, we have some Korean too, but those are you know, something that, you know, we try our best. <laughs> because of word of mouth, they all, they all know we, we, you know, we don't charge them. And we're able to have, you know, I think about 86 PPP and uh, more than $2 million. So I think the small, small business that, you know, that we have, you know, and we, Getting some volunteer is very helpful. Absolutely. Did you say $3 million in 86 businesses? 
86 visas, more than 2 million. 2 million, over 2 million. Yes. That, that's still amazing. I mean, I remember those days early in the pandemic, every, every single dollar counted, every single infusion was, you know, these businesses making rent and payroll for multiple months. So you are definitely a godsend to the no, Asian community. <laughs> um, so just, just curious, how did you get started? Because it seems like your nonprofit experience has to run deep and your commitment to the community seems to be, you know, very serious as well. Uh, I, of course, I'm right in Chinatown. And we do have a lot of, quite a few organizations like Six Family and Chinatown Timber Commerce. I do get involved with them. But, you know, since I step up, I help them out. Of course, you know, Chinese school, I help them out with the PPP. And I know there's a need in the community and with the support, you know, and, and with the support you know, for volunteer and some of the community leader, it really mm-hmm. helped me out. It really helped me out to do more. And of course, you know, when it comes to safety, the crime, so there's a problem in Chinatown. And what we do is, you know, we come up with the lantern. Of course, you know, that's my other nonprofit is the lantern. So we we fundraise to get the lantern up. And of course, the lantern is symbolized in the chart house of beauty and, and hope. And this is something that, you know, uh, people really want a, some bright. So hopefully, they, you know, we don't have that many homeless. And of course, we see a lot of this alley and people don't feel safe at night. And this is it. And of course, we we had we did the lantern and we did some fundraise from the community. This really helped uh, bright up the you know and the Chinatown. So you you mentioned the lantern business, the the nonprofit project. Is that I I believe something like Light Up Chinatown was that the name of the initiative? Yes, Light okay. Up Chinatown. Light Up Chinatown. I, I heard about it. I read about it, and it is absolutely necessary. And I you know I I commend you for that because I remember reading that San Francisco, right early on in the pandemic, San Francisco experienced in some pockets plus 30,000% hate crime against Asians. What, is, that, is that about right? Does that? That's right. And as of right now, of course, you know, still continue that we're working with you know, all this you know, community, the young group join, join us, educate some of the business and of course, you know, some of the elderly and this is something that, you know, is ongoing and with the light, of course, with the camera that we have and U.S. have give us some small grant and did the lantern or did the lock chain because, you know, at night, a lot of the small business don't have a camera. So that's why we bring more light with the lock chain because, you know, this crime like to cut the lock and then we give them a better lock. And this is really a small thing that we do in the entire community. Absolutely. And I'm sure those security cameras help. I'm sure just lighting up the streets, who would have thunk lighting up the streets, it's going to, you know, cast the light over everything so that uh, criminals cannot as easily hide in the shadows, right? That's right. Yeah. So just just curious, do you have any other memorable experiences growing up? It it sounds like you've been in San Francisco, Chinatown, almost all your life ever since you came here at the young age of 12, right? Yes. I see, you know, our parents work very hard. Of course, you know, when, when they have a letter, of course, there's no email, and they don't know where to go for, you know, ask for help. And there isn't that many non-profit that really help them. And of course, now I think about small business who have you know, build, I have to have to pay 
who have dispute they have to go through. This is something that a lot of them don't know, you know, they just pay. And I'm glad, you know, we can, you know, we have some volunteer who are willing to help, who, you know, step up and help them out. And this is, the, you know, of course, you know, we want this to be continued. Of course, of course. Now, San Francisco, that is such a city. It's got a vibrant and thriving Asian American community. How was it? Do you, do you remember how, how things were, you know, in the early days of San Francisco compared to how it is now? I think earlier there is closer. People live in, people live in, you know, in San Francisco. Now, I think a lot of younger you know, generation, they move up to China, you know, move up to San Francisco. And earlier there, you need help. You go to the six company, go to the association to help you out. And I think right now, I think we have more new immigrants. They really just want to come out and run business. And they really have no experience. This is what I found out. And of course, when it comes to, you know, recreation, and this is something that, you know, we're able to help them out. Just like the ongoing issue, ADA lawsuit. And we all know the problem, but who's doing it and who can change the law? This is something that not, not everyone know how to you know, deal with the problem, but, you know, a small business, Mm -hmm. Maybe I hate to see he had to pay X amount of dollars. Um, last two years or so during the pandemic, chart out got hit really hard. And of course, some of the businesses, they are closed and because of the law, ADA lawsuit. And where do they go? Of course, this is a federal law. This is something that you know, myself and my staff willing to come up and really help them out a little bit, you know, little okay. settlement. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, this is one topic I haven't heard about. Are you? Did you say ADA lawsuit? Yes, yes. Because as you know, Chinatown, we have a lot of hill, and this is a lot of the historic building with uh, a narrow door, and it's, it's very hard to comply without. And some of the business on the second floor, and some of the on the on the on the basement. So okay. how to comply with ADA and of course, you know, something that, you know, really hit Charta a lot. We have about more than 100 lawsuits you know, wow. for ADA just in Chinatown. So working with the six company and uh, of course working with the Chinatown chamber, we, we did a workshop. We have almost 170 people attend the workshop just to want to learn how to comply with the ADA. Well, I, I can see how that's absolutely relevant. Who, who would have thunk architecture would be so challenging because of the slopes of San Francisco? So basically the ramps you need to accommodate for individuals with disabilities and the government snap, they pass something. And then all of a sudden, if you don't have the ramp installed, which costs these small business owners money and they need expertise and they need builders, contractors, then they get sued. And then that causes those hundred lawsuits eventually. Right. Yes. That is so it's courageous. Not, uh, I think it's very hard to work with business owner and also the property owner. When it comes to lawsuit, they both got sued. So they all want to, of course, I always encourage them to set it outside the court. That's the, that's the cheapest way, but that's not the right way. Settle outside of court. My God, you, you sound like my litigation attorneys. <laughs> you have a lot of experience here, Lily. <laughs> It's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, right now, the next issue that we're having is a notice of violation. Somebody called the city, complained about the owning. Mainly, a lot of them are in Chinatown. So what I do, I 
first I step up and then working with the building department and all this planning department. And just, of course, by doing that, the case is on hold right now for six months. Otherwise, they will find them quite a bit. As you know, Chinese like to make a big sign. <laughs> They're not complying, but uh, some don't have been around for so long. Why now? And, you know, in Chinatown, we still struggle. And I'm glad the city have the a small grant. But what we do is that I don't want all the you know small business, especially the you know Chinatown business who you know who don't speak the language or the application in English. So and we able to help them out and submit the application and help them with the rent relief grant up to thirty five thousand is not a lot, but really help them you know move out and also help them negotiate with the owner. Hopefully they get a reduced rent and. Small grant up to five thousand that I can help them purify the storefront or clean up. That's the grant that city have right now. It's a small amount is really help just like you know. And I, of course, you know, the business I helping is not only in Chinatown. It's mainly in San Francisco and some of them in Richmond, uh, Sunset District. They are they are struggle too. They are small business, Asian business that who want to do business, you know, and just. As regular customer who you know who move out from San Francisco because of parking and of course you know, the neighbor story that you know, need to survive at the same time. Absolutely, yes. We're we're the same way at Universal Processing. Anybody that needs help, people that want us to help them review their business plan. So I completely get it. Our doors are open to everybody, and it sounds like yours are as well, Lily. I don't want to take too too much of a tangent, but. Honestly, I've had a few good conversations with one of your colleagues. I believe his name is Wilson. Wilson is on your team. And he had mentioned that he and some of the members of your organization had stood up to look after the school children in public school of the San Francisco region. And I I don't want to steal your thunder and tell that story. You're, You're much more familiar with it. But I just remember, for me, it ranked up there with the you know Asian Americans fighting against Harvard and the Ivy League. It just resonated with me and reminded me of that. Reverse discrimination and reverse affirmative action. Can you introduce the to the viewers that whole period? The student district, of course, as you always know, I'm an immigrant. So our parents always tell us, study hard, become a, you know, a doctor, become a lawyer, become anything. So, you know, they don't want us, you know, the children to, you know, to get a, you know, a new education. But, and of course, you know, public school, we do have, you know, you know, good standard, of course, like no one. And every, a lot of the majority, they are Chinese. So right now, what happened with some of the, you know, non-Chinese, they got, they got, they got left out. Of course, what they do is, you know, they want to mix and because, the higher education one, hopefully they get better score and they can go to better college. And the non-Chinese one, of course, you know, what they do is, you know, it's very hard to push. The way I look at it, if somebody who who study hard and you put somebody else who cannot make it, you know, because they have a lot of homework, they have to do a lot of you know, research. For somebody else, you put them up, it's, it's will not work. But of course, you say it's not equal. And then I think the biggest problem right now, I don't know if you hear about it, is, you know, all these young kids, they go to the mall. They're just attacking all the you know, Asian kids. So, yep. And also, of course, in the bus. So 
what kind of system it is. And we talk about, you know, of course, we now talk about junior high. How old is junior high? 10, 12 years old? They bring a life to school. And then as a parent, and of course, you know, we talk about, oh, we talk about, oh, the school have to mix. If us people are from the other side of the city, we would to attend that school because, you know, as a parent, they bring to that school, hopefully you have more Asian, you don't have to worry about it now because of the, you know, of the not, not equally. So you plus embarrassed in different you know, city, go to that school. That's why it's, you know, make it a higher crime. We talk about the bus inside the library and the mall, where it's safe. Because then I think we talk about the kid is not only talk about us. <laughs> I think I, as a I, parent, I as a parent, it's a pressure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely pressure. It breaks my heart when I hear about this, that this is still going on. I'll tell yes. you personally, I, I came to this country in 1983. I was three years old and I grew up on the streets of Flushing, Queens. Although it's not exactly San Francisco, Chinatown, it's very, very similar. In the 80s, the streets of Flushing, Chinatown were pretty rough. And it's not like nowadays you, you need to be 10, 12, 15 years old to go to school. I was walking to school six, seven, eight years old and you know, bring my violin and getting beaten up by hoodlums who want to, you know, steal my violin and I guess sell it for money. But I mean, you, you try to create a new reality so that the future generations don't have to go through that amount of struggle. And like I said, it's just heartbreaking that it's it's still happening. Even even 10, 12, even even 15 or 18 years old, it's it's unacceptable. And all of us, I believe, have an obligation to bring about change so that it, it doesn't happen. Thank, thank you so much for sharing that, you. Uh, you know, the, the story about the students and whatnot. It, it was definitely for me, the, the biggest, it, it sounded like the problem was the biggest in San Francisco. Correct me if I'm wrong, San Francisco has the largest population of Chinese Americans in the United States, you are right? right. You are Almost right. double or even 2.5, 3X the immigrants in, in New York. And that's just San Francisco, right? Yeah, but as, 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 you know, as a parent, as mm-hmm. a new immigrant, we always worry about children because that's our asset. But if, you know, outside the school or outside the house, uh, you know, the government won't control it. If, if, if they don't support the, the school system, if they can protect the children, I don't know where else to go. <laughs> Understood. Exactly. That's, so that's why. It's nice to have to the next generation, young people like Wilson. So I have a lot of volunteers come up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like Asian kids. So this is something that we have to, you know, speak up. I, you know, I don't feel we can do it, you know, ourselves. I, mm-hmm. I think that we all have to do it, you know, contribute a little bit to make, make, make the kids stronger. So we all have to get involved. You know, I, I, I completely agree. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. Uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir here at our organization. We have about 120 employees, you know, 85%, 90% are Asian. And I, I literally hold seminars. I like, you guys have to volunteer. You don't understand how important it is that each of you need to pitch in. Don't make me force you to, you know, go, go on street walks or business walks for the CMPP. But I, I have been so vocal holding workshops to just encourage everybody to give. And I've, I've flown you know, nationwide to do, do the same and lead by example. Now, Lily, as a manager or as manager and CEO of the Northeast Federal Credit Union and as the founder of B Chinatown, I, I have, to have to assume the main demographic in San Francisco is Chinese Americans. How long have you been serving 
Chinese Americans in, in these two organizations? The Northeast Committee of Federal Union been around for 40 years. Of wow. course, being, being charged out about 10 years. So okay. I have an office in Tenderloin. I'm mainly serving people who homeless, people who transition, people don't know how to budget. And mm-hmm. I noticed that a lot of you know kids in school, they didn't teach them you know how to balance a checkbook. For example, <coughs> you go to the bank, the first mm-hmm. thing they issue your credit card or you know uh, they they give you a checkbook. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to uh, when it comes to checking, they know how to write check. They're happy to have a check. But when they give them the credit card, they're happy to charge. But but they don't understand the system. They don't know how to balance the checkbook. So we found out the banks were making charge them a lot of this free. So I've been, you know, you know, educate my staff and volunteer, uh, teach them one on one how to balance the checkbook. That's my credit, you know. So I'm, I'm glad, you know, I have the opportunity. So I feel like a lot of those, you know, kids who get out from school don't know mm-hmm. how to balance the checkbook, don't understand about the the system. <laughs> Oh, you're, 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 it's it's not just for Asians. I think in, in this country, the financial literacy is at a world low. Uh, yes, and I, I I wish you know they educate them and uh, uh you know of course you know like, you know junior high I think they should know how to balance the checkbook, and they should they know how to use the technology. But when it comes to you know you wrote a check last week, but the check that not clear, that doesn't mean you had to you know argue with you know why you didn't cash the check, why the check is bound. And that's the problem that, you know, and what you need and what you want. And that's something that, you know, uh, we as a creator that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bringing, I mainly a lot of the slow income who understood. And B Charlottetown, I started about 10 years ago. I found out uh, Charlottetown is kind of dark with the crime and of yep. course with the lantern, give people a hope, keep people a safety. And uh, this is just how I started. So. We we always try to raise funds, so we we've been continue building, you know, bring line, and of course, you know, we partner with the US PAC. Of course, just give us you know thirty thousand grand that for the one block of Grand Avenue. It's, it was beautiful, so you have a chance to come and see. So we we do another three blocks, so we do a good funding, and hopefully we got you know we got the lantern already, so we got enough money. We just continue bringing all this, you know. Lantern in China. So it symbolizes yeah, the beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we at Universal, we've been very active in coordinating and partnering, collaborating with all the spokes. It's It's been a little over a year and we've both been busy on each coast, but hopefully if there are any initiatives, like for example, I, I hear Restaurant Week was, Asian Restaurant Week was, mm-hmm. was around. We've actually offered to sponsor a couple and to make a contribution plus be present to to help out the restaurants because like you mentioned the asian immigrants some of them older some of them many of them do not speak fluent english and our organization was founded just like you said to help those asian american business owners with all of that financial literacy with technology with understanding so that we can give them service we can give them exactly what they want in the language that they're most comfortable with so that, yeah, our ooh. restaurant week is April 14th to April 24th. April 14th to 24th. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a little short notice, but I, I I could get a team out there if if you wanna if you wanna shake and bake. No, we we have it twice a year. So okay. we just did one in October, it was quite successful. But of course, you know, it's a lot of work, like you say. A lot of the Asian restaurants don't understand what it means. 
what you call a restaurant business, and then we have them to kind of promote. So come up in the menu. That's this is something that you know is kind of hand on, and mm-hmm. this is a you know of course last October is the first time. This is the second time. Still, you know, it's hard to push to the you know small business as if they don't understand why we're doing it, and uh, we try to explain to them this is happening to promote. Hopefully, we have more young people who come yep. up and eat and. Same thing. Uh, a lot of the you know, Chinese restaurants, especially uh, San Francisco, a lot of yep. them is from the southern part of you know uh, China, Canton. For them, it's hard to change. A lot of them still cash only. It took us so long to ask you know, one, you know, few of them. I don't have that many, but you know, to you know, tell them where young people don't carry cash and ask them to change. Uh, they don't want to learn, but. It is, you know, this is something that, you know, we have to continue, of course, you know, to work with the, some retail and all the business, you know, to take the crime so high. So we want them to accept, cre- you, know, you know, credit card rather than cash only. This is something that we've been working on it on the side, you know, of course, with volunteer <laughs> okay. and well, with some people who, you know, word of mouth and it's much easier than we knock into the door. <laughs> Audit risk. You mentioned cash only. I would say in the restaurant space, the cash only restaurants have the largest audit risk. And we try to explain to them, hey, you've got, I'm not going to tell you how to report your cash transactions, but if you don't show that you're doing at least a little bit of credit card business, you're basically have a big sign on your door saying, come in IRS, send in an auditor. He sits in for 30 minutes and he does the math. And then within 30 minutes, he are, he already can tell, and you're looking at a big fine. We don't mm-hmm. want that to happen to any of the businesses. So there, ho- hopefully we can have conversations there. Hopefully we can reach out to the San Francisco, you know, Asian restaurant community. But uh, that'll always, hey, I, d- I don't want to push point of sale or, or credit card processing too much. Although that's been my business since 1996. B- back to you, Lily, to, to wrap up. I want to know, and I'm sure the viewers want to know, where can business owners locate you? How do they get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach you or reach Be Chinatown in case they need resources for their business? I'm located in San Francisco, Chinatown, 127 Bakery. It's between Clay and Washington. So it's right in the center of you know, Chinatown. So 127 Bakery. They also can call me at 415 434 0738 Monday to Friday, 9 to 4. Of course, you know, if they're not available, they can just, you know, leave a message. You know, we can schedule appointment on Saturday too, if necessary. If necessary. Damn, very dynamic, very proactive. And any email, just in case they want to get in touch digitally. Yeah, they also can email me, Lily, L I L Y L O, at necfcu.org. .org. Okay. Well, I, I, I've talked a lot. Hopefully, I haven't stolen your thunder too much. Are there any other success stories that you want to share or any thoughts and anything you want to leave the viewers with? I want to give you the Yeah, floor. of course, you know, since the pandemic, this is still a struggle, but I always have them think and look forward. And of course, there's a lot of resource outside. SBA also have a lot of the resource. And, you know, ask and then I'm sure people can uh, you know, give you advice or when it comes to grant, they, you know, different districts are different 
And of course, I had people who called, you know, I'm not in San Francisco. What happened? I'm in San Mateo, you know, San Luis. You call them up and I'm sure the different districts, they have their own program. I mainly focus for San Francisco. And I know where, where's the website, where to look. It's nice to you know, sign up for the website and they can give you update information. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is so wonderful. Lily, I really personally appreciate you taking the time out of your day to have this long overdue conversation. It's great to listen to success stories like you had presented of Asian Americans and minorities. And hopefully this will, you know, help other minority business owners or any any business owners learn how to navigate the challenges of today. And thank you to, to our audience for tuning in. This is, I believe, the sixth episode of Navigating Business, and we hope you can join us again in the future. Again, this is Navigating Business, a podcast brought to you by the U.S. Pan-Asian American Chamber of Commerce through the Community Navigator Pilot Program, CNPP, of the Small Business Administration, or SBA. Also, last thing, because it's relevant, it's only April as of the recording of this video, everybody, if you can, come check out Celebration 2023. That is America's largest and longest running business development conference. And this time it is going to be June 6th through June 8th at Vegas, baby, Vegas. Lily, are we going to see you there, by the way? Are, are you coming? Very close. I'm looking forward to see you. Okay. Wonderful, thank wonderful. You. Lily, thank you so much again for thank coming you. by. And hopefully we can do this again. And, you know, we'll, we'll have a drink at Celebration. And toast to your success. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Have a great rest of your day. Take Thank care you. now.